imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Welcome to Imposing Grandeur Radio, episode 17, where we sit around and are going through the attributes of God in our Attributes of God series. Today, I am joined again with Annie and Avery, my lovely co-hosts. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing great. All right. Well, I have a question (laughs) for both of you guys. Um, What do you do? And just keep it really short. What is an activity that you do that you feel like really calms you and just makes you really peaceful, I guess you could say. Like it really relaxes you and it's like a nice therapeutic like activity or hobby that you have. I will go first because I will let you guys think of yours, but I really enjoy journaling and reading. That's something that I will just say for the two ones that, I mean, there are many things, um, but what what is something that you guys do? I like walking and listening to worship music. That's a good one. Hmm. Definitely reading or watching TV. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the reason why I ask you guys that question is because today we are talking about, as you all know, um, the next attribute of God in our Attributes of God series, which is God is peace. So God is a God of peace. And, or I wanted to open this up in making the point that peace means many different things to many different people right? So for those fighting in a battle, peace may be referred to the ending of the war. For those living very hectic and busy lives, peace may mean calmness and maybe you have a troubled mind. And in that case, peace would mean a sense of inner tranquility for you. Um, And interestingly enough, the Greek term for peace, what we know more commonly referred to as shalom, was used for all of these meanings in both the Greek literature and in the New Testament writings. And we see in many books throughout the New Testament, the expression, peace be with you, like in Luke 10, 5, Galatians 6, 16, James 2, 16, John 24, John 20, 19. Um, and this expression was to communicate the absence of hostility. And we also see this concept communicated in the very first book of the Bible found in the Old Testament when Joseph brother, Joseph's brothers are unsure whether they will receive punishment for having extra money in their sacks. And Joseph says to them in Genesis 43, 23, peace to you, do not fear. And so another common way in which we see this word shalom or peace is when it's coupled with this idea of domestic tranquility, like God personally calling you to peace, as we see in 1 Corinthians 7, 15, as well as a cessation of national and interpersonal conflict. So with all of that being said, it is clear that this word in scripture occurs many times and there's many different ways in which it is expressed. And so to begin this podcast, I want to first open up the floor and ask you guys our first question, which is, what is a good definition of peace? So we know that there's this concept of it, but how would you say that it applies to God being a God of peace, which is the attribute that we're discussing today? So what would would you guys say? Like, what's a definition? And then how can we how can we in- interpret that definition in a God-honoring way that describes kind of what it means that he is a God of peace? 
Um, so I actually have a definition from systematic theology by Wayne Grudem. Nice. Not surprising. <laughs> um, and he says, well, I thought this was interesting because like Alexa, how you were saying Pete, like the literal Hebrew word shalom means like a uh, void of hostility. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. How Wayne Grudem was using peace to describe like order. And so he says God's peace Mm -hmm. means that God's being in in his actions, he is separate from confusion and disorder, yet he is Mm -hmm. continually active in innumerably well-ordered, fully controlled, simultaneous actions. So I thought that was interesting because I like, yes, I see order as being peace, but I don't know that that's like the first thing that typically comes to my mind when I think of God being peaceful. So it's interesting that you say that because I've heard people use that attribute of God being a God of peace and order to kind of speak out against these churches that are so charismatic and so like. I mean, we see videos of people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and they are falling all over the place. And some people are even hitting each other and they're dancing and they're running around, you know, like, I mean, it's all over the Internet. And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't move in people, but I am saying that if God is a God of order and if God is a God of peace, is that a fruit of the Holy Spirit? You know, Mm -hmm. like because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, you know, and. And if people are claiming these events to be manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't align with scripture. So that's really mm-hmm. interesting that Grudem makes the point of peace equates order. And if you are claiming something to be of God and it is disorderly and chaotic, then it is not from God. So I think that's a really interesting point that could totally go on a ton of rabbit trails. <laughs> but and think, um, Well, and I think yeah. too, it like depends. How are we defining disorder you know and so i guess which this podcast isn't a podcast about order or disorder but um i think again you would have to continue to dive through the scriptures and find examples of that and how god acts but right i found too i was looking at blue louder bible and they were saying that there's when referring to us and god there's three different definitions of how peace can apply to us And it can be, number one, peace with God, peace of God, and peace on earth, which I had never thought about peace this way either, aside from it being orderly. Um, And they said, when a person trusts Christ as their Savior, they're at peace with God. The Bible teaches us that we are His enemies before we trust Christ as Savior. But once a person is saved, there is peace between them and God. So that's number one. And then this peace is a result of a new relationship we have with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. So we can have this peace of God despite our circumstances. So this is a peace that transcends our circumstances, and it's a peace that unbelievers will look at and they cannot truly understand or experience unless they eventually become believers. And then finally, peace on earth is um, the fact that our earth won't like this world will not fully be at peace until Christ returns. And I thought that was so interesting to me because when I think of peace and when we think of peace in referring to Christmas and Christ coming and being that peace, we see that this world is not peaceful post Christ. Like we see a world that is the opposite of that. And so thinking of the peace that will finally come will be when Christ returns, which is so cool to 
to look forward to. And I just really love separating those definitions into kind of those three categories. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I love it how, and of course, I'm going to use this Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible, <laughs> how they put it. But they said it was like, like peace, meaning total well-being, prosperity and security associated with God's presence among his people. And there are two different manifestations of this concept of peace. And like with the Old Testament, it was with the covenant and the presence of peace as God's gift. So it was like conditional upon Israel's obedience. In prophetic material, true peace is a part of the end time, hoping of God's salvation. And then in the New Testament, this long for peace is understood as having to come in Christ and is available to be experienced by faith. So there's this like three different way in which peace manifests itself from the Old Testament, the prophetic age, and then the New Testament. So like, Hmm. um, isn't that interesting? I thought that was really cool. So yeah, just really interesting Mm -hmm. how peace looks different in each different age, but it's really the same. And it's all looking towards Christ's coming and the peace offered only through Christ and his sacrifice. But um, I guess having talked about the definition of peace, how would we then interpret verses that speak about peace? So for example, Philippians uh, 4.7, and I'm going to read the verses leading up to this verse just so we can get a clearer context of what, what it's actually Um, saying, and starting in verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So how do we interpret that verse? What are the implications of that peace of God that surpasses all understanding? What does that even mean? Annie, what do you think? Well, first of all, I think um, context is key. Whereas like Paul is writing this, he is in jail in Rome, I think. Um, And so when he talks about this peace that surpasses all understanding, he like he's experiencing that. He's in prison writing this joy-filled letter to the church of Philippi. Um, and I have a quote from gotquestions.org, which by the way, if you ever have literally any question about the Bible, this website should be able to help you. And they said, um, the believer who places his or her full confidence in a loving God and is thankful in every circumstance will possess a supernatural peace An inner Mm. calm will dominate the heart. The faithful believer will know peace. His heart and mind are guarded by it, despite the tempest raging without. No one, especially those outside of Christ, will be able to fathom that peace. To most, it will remain a mystery how someone can be so serene in the midst of turmoil. Mm-hmm. And I like this quote because it does compare like this peace that surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all understanding to the outsider. They don't understand. We as Christians do understand where this peace comes from. We may not fully understand how, but we know it's from Christ. And from our security in him and knowing this world is not our own, our circumstances do not dictate um, that security in him if you are saved. And Mm. I just think of like uh, earthly circumstances that can be horrendous. And then you see these pioneers of the faith that just, I mean, Paul persevering Mm. through it, giving God glory, rejoice always to an outsider. It's almost unfathomable how they a Christian can experience hardship after hardship and still rejoice always in the Lord. 
Um, which it should be convicting to us because right. if we're not doing that, we're not sending that message that we have eternal security and peace in Christ. So, mm. um, but, and just like Christ says in John 14, 27, um, he tells the disciples, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. So there's this definite distinction between this peace that surpasses all understanding for the believer and for the world. That's awesome. And I think it's like, I mean, like you were saying, like what an internal inventory check for us, right? Like we're live. it's so easy to be like, oh yes, follow Christ, like follow God. He is loving. He is all this stuff. And then when your life like has the most like insignificant like thing happen in it, it's like, we're so weak. <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's where we live and how we've grown up. Like we are so we are so safe. You know, we are so comfortable. And um, that's made us not want to get uncomfortable because we've been comfortable for so long. And here there are brothers and sisters in uh, other countries that are literally dying for the faith that we claim to have. And yet we are so comfortable to just spend six hours of our lives watching a TV show on Netflix. Like, Mm. and I'm not saying that to point anybody out. Like, this is something that I was convicted of, I think, two years ago when I was watching a documentary um, by Voice of the Martyrs. And it was just showing me clips of people dying for their faith. And I was just so convicted because I was watching it on the treadmill. Also, um, little tip, don't watch really like <laughs> like emotional things on the treadmill while you're working out <laughs> because you will ball your eyes out in the gym. But <laughs> I just remember watching it while I was like walking on the treadmill because I wasn't running. But um, and just being so moved at these people who are dying for the faith that I claim to have. And yet I am walking on a treadmill in my private university, like in a free country, like, and I just felt so convicted of the freedom that I had. And of course, like the Lord had blessed me with that. Um, But it made me reevaluate how I was spending my time. Um, And I think that that's something that we all can do. And I need to do that daily. I mean, but truly, like, how are we living? Like, are we living in a way that shows people that we have a peace beyond what the world can give us? Or are we living in a sense that is contingent on what the world has to offer. And if the world takes it away, because they will, um, we will have nothing. You know, like, how are mm-hmm. we relying on what we have? But I just think that's that's really interesting. But, um, I mean, rejoicing in the fact that God is a God of peace and that he gives peace freely. Um, so we've had a lot to say about peace in light of what we know from the meaning of shalom and how we serve a God who is not only the founder of peace, but the free giver of peace. and. All of these truths are beautiful and we need to be reminded of them on the daily for sure. But how do we reconcile verses like Matthew 10, 34 through 35? So this verse is when Jesus himself is saying, and I quote, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So after talking about peace, being an absence of conflict and war, doesn't this verse simply imply the presence of conflict? So like the very opposite of peace. And obviously we know that scripture is perfect and therefore non-contradictory. So how do we reunite this verse to concept that we know is true? What would you guys say? I think put simply, something that helped me 
was that the sword here in Matthew 10 is a metaphor for the inevitable separation between those that know Christ and those that do not, even between mm-hmm. family. So Jesus' mm-hmm. own family opposed him before knowing his true identity. And the central part of this passage is that the love of God and his kingdom should take precedence over anything else on this earth and any human relationship. So even as that peace is present in our lives as believers, we're going to have conflict between those that are unbelievers and hate God versus those that love God because those can't coexist and those relationships can't happen when there's true division and a quote-unquote sword between these relationships. Right. And looking further, like into the context of that passage, Jesus it, it is talking specifically to his disciples, but more broadly to a Jewish audience. And the anticipation of this Messiah or this ruler was culminated in his establishment of an earthly kingdom, destroying the Romans who currently occupied Israel at the time. Therefore, when Christ says, I didn't come to bring peace, there's a double meaning. A, I didn't come to bring peace for Israel by destroying the Romans. And B, there's no true peace between the world and Christians, as Avery was saying. It is one or the other. They can't be combined. They must be divided. And John MacArthur says, the immediate result of the gospel is frequently conflict. Conversion to Christ can result in strained family relationships, persecution, and even martyrdom. Though he is called the Prince of Peace, Christ will have no one deluded into thinking that he calls believers to a life devoid of all conflict. Hmm. So um, as we were talking about earlier, how peace can be translated, God is peace can be translated as to God of order. Do not get order and conflict confused that they are in contradiction with one another. You can be orderly. You can have peace or live peaceably in um try to live as an example as God is God of peace, but in doing so that involves conflict and those things are not in contradiction with one another, which I think is why people can get really confused by this passage. It sounds pretty harsh when all you're taught is that Jesus is this Prince of peace that loves everybody and wants to save everyone, like do all this stuff, which those things aren't necessarily untrue, but um, it's just, it's interesting because the worldly definition of peace really comes through shining through this passage. If you're misguided about that. Right. There's a big difference between Christianity and universalism, right? Like universalism, meaning that God is love. He saves everybody. Everybody lives and everything's fine. You know, like we do know because he has revealed in scripture that his standard is perfection. He has given us a law. We know that we are sinners separated by a holy God. Um, and like you both were saying, like God is a God of peace, but like we've talked about in our God is just episode, God also is a God who executes righteous judgment. And this is not to say that peace is not present because of this attribute. Mm -hmm. So because God is a just God, that means that his attribute of peace is then absent whenever he is acting in justice, but rather that sometimes peace comes with the sword of judgment. Like you guys are both saying. Um, so it's not either or, but it's both and. So like, I mean, just look at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the most gruesome death in history that no one would look at and say, oh, this is a really peaceful act. I mean, it was bloody, it was torturous, and it was far from tranquil. Like the definition that we are looking through from like of peace, but it was through this act that God's peace was made available to us. 
it was through Jesus's blood that was shed that we are now able to have God's peace dwell in us. So Jesus Christ suffered for our sake, absorbing the wrath that we deserved from God in order to give us peace we otherwise would have never, ever had access to. And that is divine inexpressible love. I love that, Alexa. And I think it reminded me of something I read in Table Talk this week. And it was just a reminder to rejoice in God's perfection in justice and also rejoicing in the fact that he does bring peace because he is perfect in his timing. We know that like his just attributes and those things that sound scary, like this verse talking about the sword and the separation between believers and unbelievers, there is a sense of us being having to rejoice in both. We can't just focus on the attributes that bring peace because like y'all were saying, he is an orderly God. He is perfect in timing. He's holy. He's just. He's right in all that he does. So these things that seem scary when we're first like learning about them and trying to understand and wrap our minds around them, these are things to rejoice in, even if they seem harsh. And I'm trying to do, I'm trying to pray to do better at God softening my heart towards verses like this when it's easy to skim over them and be like, well, that sounds scary. I'm going to go to the next sentence and keep on Mm -hmm. reading. But it's like we need to be understanding the all different characteristics of how God is peaceful, but also just and holy all at the same time. And we should be rejoicing in all of those. So anyway, that was just a reminder as you were talking that I was like, wow, that tied in what I was reading in Romans this week. So anyway. So it is no mystery that Christmas is right around the corner. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is usually a time of the year when we see peace on a lot of ornaments. You know, we sing songs like Peace on Earth and um, Have a Merry Little Christmas. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so why do we see so much peace merch? Like, why is that such a popular thing around Christmas time? Is there a... Is there a verse or um, a theme that's kind of going through the whole Christmas story? Um, Annie, what would you say? <laughs> kind, of, kind of delve into that for us. Well, first, I would like to say that I think it's magnificent that we see peace or whatever right, dominated right. throughout the Christmas season because it's, it's just another way that God shines through to a broken world, even people Mm -hmm. that reject, like you could probably walk into majority of American homes, even people that aren't Christians, and they probably have some sort of decoration, assuming they're not like, they don't celebrate other holidays, but Christmas decoration that symbolizes something from the gospel, um, whether it's a manger or, you know, whatever. So I just think that's amazing um, because unbelievers are participating in the truth of God, whether they want to or not. So. Um, but peace is seen throughout the entire life of Christ, even before Christ is born. You see Isaiah 9, 6 prophesying for unto us, a child is born to us. A son is given. His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. And then Luke 2, 2, 14, Christ is born. The angels say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And pause right here to caveat what we've been saying. Peace is not necessarily earthly tranquility. It is the security that comes from believing in the Messiah, believing in the death and resurrection of Christ, and knowing you're eternally secure through the blood. Um, 
then you have John 16, 33 that says, uh, Christ talking, I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then Paul talking in Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2, 14, for he himself is our peace, talking about Christ, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And then lastly, Colossians 1.20, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood on his cross. So it's just, and Avery, while you were talking at the beginning about how like post Jesus's birth didn't necessarily, like peace wasn't brought to earth right there in that moment, but it was in the sense that through the cross, through the gospel being fulfilled, Christians can individually have peace with God now because of that and how uh, what we were just talking about how like maybe peace this might kind of scare you like when we were talking about just or justice um God's peace is coming to a broken world it's going to fix everything that was broken all this war and hostility whether I mean we live in America so sometimes it's kind of hard to know but the world's really broken <laughs> And mm. there is a peace that is coming through the light, the prof, the prophetic word, the birth and life of Christ that um, will render all things to himself, making them whole again. Um, and that's done solely by Christ's blood on the cross. So I just, I had never really noticed this theme throughout scripture of peace. Like I knew these verses, but I hadn't really connected it through the life and ministry of Christ and how really important this attribute is of God and what a better attribute than for so many people in the world to be celebrating it right now. Hmm. Yes, Annie, I agree with that. And I, I I think it's so cool too how there's this time of the year that we are shopping in supermarkets and you hear, oh, come all ye faithful on the radio or, you know, like Silent mm -hmm. Night or all of these Christmas songs that have such biblical meanings and um, I mean, is Silent Night a biblical song? I feel like it is. Like Silent Night, Holy Night, all is. Wow, it's such a peaceful Ooh. night, it sounds like. I mean, all <laughs> is calm. Isn't it about <laughs> the night he was born? That's what um, I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, so, I so. Um, yes, yes, it is. Um, or like, Oh, Holy Night. Like, wow, yeah. that bridge. Or no, it's the pre-chorus. That pre-chorus, like, fall on your knees. Oh, here. The angel's voices, like, oh, night divine. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like we see peace all the time because it comes from the Bible. Like Annie, you were saying, like this whole concept of peace, this would not be an idea if we did not have a God who was a God of peace. This concept otherwise would be completely foreign to us because we as sinful beings do not have the ability to initiate peace and experience peace because of sin. But when Jesus was born in Luke 2, 14, we see the angels proclaiming glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And so this is where this peace on earth comes from. And the greatest peace that Jesus achieved for us is that he took away the enmity between us and God by his death on the cross to absolve us of our sin. And so those who accept Christ's salvation have that peace with God. And so this gift of peace with God is made available through Christ. Like you were saying, Annie, he's restoring that great chasm um, and making a way for his children to 
follow him. Um, and so as a result, Christians in the community of faith, we need to live in peace with one another. And we see this continual call to pursue peace with one another, like Romans 12, 18, 14, 19, and Hebrews 12, uh, verse 14. Um, we see this expressions like go and live in peace or go in peace or grace and peace be with you in the Bible. And this isn't a mere wish for peace. They're not Mm -hmm. saying this so that it happens. Like, I hope this happens or like, hey, good luck on that test. It's not like that. It's an expression to remind us that as followers of Christ, we are secure in our adoption as God's children. It's a statement that calls us to live in the reality that we have already been given and have access to a life of grace and peace. And I just think that that is such a great thing to keep in mind because I think those phrases in the New Testament or even in the Old Testament when we see the word peace or like go in peace, um, a lot of the times we just skim over that because we think they're filler words or they're filler statements to kind of like end the closing of a book or to kind of fill in this this period of time, but it's really this beautiful reminder of where we stand as children of God. We are able to experience peace and initiate peace through the Holy Spirit and to have that peace with God and how beautiful that is. And that in and of itself is a miracle um, from Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. I love that. And also remembering that this world is not all there is. Like we get to look forward to a peace on earth when Christ returns. And I think it's easy for me to forget that because you're like focusing on Christmas and baby Jesus and the peace that we've seen from the crucifixion and God restoring that chasm between us and God, but also looking forward to his return, like something that we can't fully fathom the peace on earth that will come from that. And um, I wanted to add this one more quote from John Piper, where he's talking about how you get this peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, And we just want to remind you that like if you're listening and you don't feel like you have this peace that surpasses all understanding, it is only found in Christ. And if you haven't Mm -hmm. dedicated your life to Christ and repented of your sin, trusted in him, we want you or here to tell you to do so because this peace is eternal and it's lifelong and it's beyond our life here. It's beyond this life on this earth. And we get to be united in peace for eternity in heaven. And I loved this quote by John Piper where he talks about this. And he said, spend the rest of your life swimming in this ocean. Speaking of peace, if this sounds unusual to you, like you've never even heard anybody talk about inviting you into the very love that the son has, the father has, the joy between them and the peace between them. Just enjoy the next years of discovery. It is very deep and it's worthy of all your life. And that just like gave me chills thinking about like this peace, this peace is worthy of all of our life that is only Mm -hmm. found in Christ. And it is the only thing that will fulfill and the only thing that is worth living for. And it just makes me want to rejoice all the more as we prepare for the coming of Christmas and remembering this peace that came from the Prince of Peace, knowing that we get to take part in communion with that peace is just so incredibly beautiful. And we are so undeserving. Wow. I love that quote. Mm. Me too. I know. And people nowadays are like advocating for world peace, you know, and like that's Mm -hmm. such a thing, but there will never be world peace without Christ. And um, there will be a day where God will reestablish the new heavens and the new earth and we will experience world peace. But 
that is not in this lifetime. That is something that will only happen when he comes back. And people that are not following Christ and people that are not finding peace in him will never find peace, true mm-hmm. peace. Um, but um, like we say every single episode, although we could be talking about this so much more and more in depth, um, and we've only skinned the surface of not only talking about peace, but talking about God and just how amazing he is. Um, we are going to have to conclude this, um, and we will be concluding this episode with an IG hot seat. <laughs> I'm laughing because I had not known the question that I'm going to be asking you guys. Um, and so I was looking at online questions, but I want to read some that I found <laughs> because do you ever just like Google, like when you're trying to find hot seat questions, like funny questions to ask yes. or like, so yes. <laughs> I Googled it and it took me to this website and these questions are so lame and I just need to like read one of them off. Um, And one of them, like these are questions to ask people like to start conversation. And one of the questions, no joke, is why does it take 15 minutes to cook rice? Like that is one question that they put on this blog. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you need to find new friends or like you need to learn how to communicate with people. Um. But anyway, with that being said, like this other question, if a number two pencil is the most popular, why is it still number two? Like, what? Oh, my gosh. That's so oh. cheesy. I know. It's so it's so weird. But anyway, um, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I was trying to tie it into the whole episode of like peace. Where is the most peaceful spot? I guess that you find like when you find yourself in a peaceful area, like where everything is calm and tranquil and you just find yourself able to focus on your thoughts and be alone with the Lord. Like, what is that peaceful spot that you just think of immediately? Like it might not be the most peaceful spot, but me even asking that question, I know you thought of a place. So I just want you to tell me that place and I will start. Um, I think of this really cute little cafe near my college town that I escaped to. It's called Sweetwater Cafe. And if you're in Cleveland, Georgia, you should totally check it out. But I think of this one time I went there and it isn't always super peaceful. It just depends on who's there. But this one time I had um, gone, gone there to get some coffee and I was sitting there and I wasn't even doing homework, which was even more wonderful. I was just journaling and I was like having a nice relaxing day. And then these two men came in and they were like older, but they both had guitars. And I was like so excited because they sat at the table right in front of me and were just playing guitars and singing. And they were so loud and it was it was beautiful. Like the music, it wasn't like really annoying music, you know, like people come in a coffee shop and just totally disturb everybody. It was like I had my own private concert and it was just us in the, the whole coffee shop. And I was trying hard to not look at them the whole time, but it was just beautiful and so peaceful like so tranquil I felt like and it was like a beautiful day the windows were open the door was open and uh, like I was drinking coffee it was just magical but um that's what I think of immediately it might not be the most peaceful place that I've ever been to because I've been to a lot of peaceful places but like that's the first thing I thought of but what about you guys I also was thinking of a coffee shop. Literally the first thing that came into my mind it was in Cumming Georgia where I used to live and it was called copper coin and i loved it it had this cute little like balcony and just Mm. every single thing about this coffee shop was like perfect i have never been able to find one that compares reasonably to 
Copper Coin, but unfortunately, they were bought out by um, a different restaurant and they ruined everything. So I think about it all the time, though. I just have so I could sit there for hours and just read or do homework or journal. Like, oh, I just miss Mm. it so much. That was a really pretty coffee shop. It was like your little slice of heaven. (laughs) I know. I think we all have a peaceful coffee shop, so I would mention one, but I'm going to mention something else. Um, I think my one of my most peaceful moments I remember from the past 10 years would be when the snowpocalypse happened and when, you're, when we were in high school. And I remember sitting at home and going out in my parents' woods with my family, and we were just, like, all dressed really warm, and it was the most quiet snow, and it was, like right outside and the snow was just softly falling these giant flakes and if you know any of us we live in Georgia so that is like rare <laughs> we don't get to appreciate snow very much but it's a big deal yeah it was the most beautiful moment that I wish I could have bottled up and just replayed every winter when I wanted to feel like at peace it was just so it was so beautiful Oh, I love that so much. I remember the snowpocalypse. It's funny because we call it the snowpocalypse here in Georgia, but really it was only like five inches of snow, I feel like. Yeah. But it, that's like, that yeah. was a ton for us. And all the roads got shut down yeah. and the schools got canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was funny because like years later, I ended up going to school in New York, upstate New York, and we had like <laughs> yeah. 15 inches of snow. But for being in Georgia, that was a huge deal. And we all like, like when you say snowpocalypse, everyone knows what year you're referring to because that yeah. was so abnormal. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, snow is so peaceful. Like I just think of like snow globes, like like being in a yes. snow globe. Like <laughs> that's how I felt in um, New York. Like when it would snow, it was it is so calming. So that's a great one, Avery. I yes. think of that too. Um, but anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Hopefully, this episode was really. Um, tranquil for you to listen to hopefully it allowed you I mean it wasn't ASMR or anything I mean (laughs) ASMR kind of freaks me out but um, (laughs) hopefully that this encouraged you and um, it did bring peace of mind knowing who God is and who you are and um, just how this this truth should affect us this Christmas season so join us next week as we have a roundtable on the 23rd that Wednesday we'll be doing it the day before Christmas Eve and we'll be kicking it off with a special we're going to do a little Christmas party roundtable I'm so excited for that so you are invited to a Christmas party if you would join us December 23rd on Wednesday next week when you're listening to this episode (laughs) but anyway we'll see you guys soon see you at the christmas party (laughs) bye see ya